Ask the Podcast Coach for May 27th, 2017. It's showtime. Let's get ready to podcast. There it is. Oh, now we get to see you dance, too. That's fun. You did just me. Hey, it's Saturday morning. It is 1030 Eastern Standard Time. Welcome to Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I am Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting.com. And joining me right i got to figure out how to point. Right there is not Jim Cullison. It is the one and only Chris Nessie from House of Ed Tech. Docs. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> how are you, buddy? I am doing well, Dave. It is nice to be here on a Saturday morning. I showered. I shaved. <laughs> that's the only thing. See, I've not shaved yet, but it's that's the cool thing. And the, here's the really good news. Let's just start off with a completely unrelated tangent, shall we? I'm finally getting a haircut today. I'm so happy about that. Holy cow. It's long overdue. But uh, yeah, Jim is uh, doing a graduation today. So he he emailed me in the middle of the week and said, oh, I forgot. And I went, okay. We're using a new tool this week. We're at BeLive.tv. And what's fun about this is I can do things where like Daniel J. Lewis said, yep, in theory, I can now put that on the screen. So if you have it, so we're at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. We'll redirect you to Facebook where we're actually doing this uh, live. And I can do things like, uh, and also put my own little fun things like, and, you know, and show that on the screen. See, isn't that, ooh, that's exciting, isn't it? So we're going to give this a shot uh, just because that's kind of one of the things that started this show was we were playing with different tools and uh, I thought, Hey, you know what? Let's bring in a new co-host and throw new technology into the mix because it's just not uh, crazy enough. But behind the scenes, there's actually a chat that uh, if you're thinking of using this, like I could send a chat just between Chris and I, and then I see your chats over on the right-hand side. And this is all going to uh, Facebook for, uh, but for, for those people that are crazy and they don't know who the wonderful, the marvelous Chris Nessie is, uh, Chris, tell us about your podcast and, uh, and your background. So I live in Jersey and I am a high school social studies teacher. My podcast is called the house of ed tech over on chrisnessy.com. And the purpose of my podcast is to help teachers better integrate technology into their instruction. I've been podcasting for three years and my show is released every other week. I can happily say I've never missed a week. Uh, I love podcasting. You are one of the people who helped me get to where I'm at and have greatly influenced what I do as a content creator. So publicly, thank you. Well, thank you very much for that. That's cool. And, uh, you know, this is uh, for, for somebody who is remotely ADD. This is such a horrible interface because the whole time I just want to sit here and, and click. And I don't like I don't know where I get to pick the background for that. Uh, for those of you listening on audio, I just made us both appear. That's all sorts of fun things that uh Here's the interesting thing about BeLive.tv. It's free. That's the thing. And I'm like, mm, okay, I love free stuff, but uh, I always worry about how they're going to you know, stay in business in that whole nine yards. Uh, the other fun thing is I'm now seeing us on about whatever, probably a 10-second delay or, or something of that nature. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to look over and see what the delay is on this. And I, I, I just saw you through Facebook changing the layouts and... Yeah. Our video screen sizes. So I have to pay attention because the chat room is right there in front of us. Like Troy just said, hey, uh, this is pretty cool. And uh, it is pretty cool. And you can actually do side by side. The thing I don't know, and I don't think 
without jumping through a bunch of hoops, I don't think I can get this video later. I mean, there are ways you can download the uh, a Facebook video, but you have to put your left foot in and then your right foot out. And I think you have to shake it all about and that whole nine yards. And so it's not super easy. It's not like uh, YouTube where I can just download the video when I'm done and then slice and dice it and do that whole nine yards. So uh, we are at askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. If you have a question, just throw it into the chat and uh, I'll click on that. We'll bring it that way. But I do, I got to bring up, we're going to bring up some of the, some of the greatest hits of Ask the Podcast Coach. And one of them that I got to explain almost, you know, on one hand, I almost don't want to explain it because this group probably already knows that. And that is when you post your show, this came up a lot this week. And this is where you want to kind of jump off a bridge because I just posted a show and it's not in iTunes. And what I always tell people is pretty, pretty please, if you can subscribe to your own show, when you see it come down on your device, then you know it's working fine. It takes up to 24 hours for your show to, for your episode to appear in your iTunes listing. And so if it's on your phone, but not in iTunes, it just means iTunes hasn't caught up yet. A lot of people really go through and we've got, again, some of these are like, you know, has the podcast coach greatest hits. And this one says I'm gearing up for season two of my podcast and have an idea to write in my info for guests. So this, so number one, he's got an info for guest page, which in itself is good because you want to get people set up to kind of know what to expect. And he says, um, he says that I'd strongly like them to not only share posts announcing their episode, but also the other in the series with a template text that I'd give them basically saying, that's an interesting one there. So not only promote the show that they're on, but promote the other whatever, nine, however many you have in a series. That's kind of weird. And he says, um, it would be something like, wow, wait, with a template that I give them basically saying, wow, check out this great podcast with X, I'm going to be in number Y. Would that be a good idea or am I being unrealistic? So, Chris, I'll let you take a swing at that one first. What are your thoughts? He's asking for something, so that's better than asking for nothing. Yeah. Only time will tell if he's not getting what he's looking for from these potential people who are going to be on the podcast. He may find out very quickly that they don't give all the information. And and even for my own, I I have something similar where it goes to a page. It recommends how to be on the podcast. If if they've never been on a podcast, Uh, I also recommend, you know, if you want to, if you wanted to purchase a mic, here's a couple of choices. If this is something, you know, that you're interested in. And I also have a, a survey to a Google form that I also ask people to complete. That basically hits on, are you going to be using your laptop mic? Do you have a mic? Uh, how can I make this valuable for you to be on my podcast? Nice. Uh, and, and I've debated just sending them, oh, you're going to be on my show? Just quick fill out this Google form survey, answer a couple of questions. I don't know if I necessarily need to send them to a page to then hope that they click the link for the survey. And I've had a couple of guests that didn't wind up clicking the survey. And that just took time when we started the interview to just get that information from them, you know, face to face. Right. So you're doing it more as a time saver. And plus, I I wouldn't think that allows you to head people off in the past. So when they go, I don't have a microphone and I don't have headphones. I can prepare for that audio quality but when I get on the call with them. <laughs> yeah. And that is something that I've heard I, when I was scouring the different Facebook uh, pages and groups this morning. The one thing I hear the most thing is is people are saying what if my guest sounds like this you know and it's it's in a cave how do i get rid of that and the answer kind of 
unfortunately, is you you kind of can't. I mean, there are things you can try with noise gates, and I think there's a plugin called Unverb or something of that nature, but kind of the old garbage in, garbage out, yeesh, kind of thing. So, I would almost think if you're getting that really poor audio quality, one, uh, as the host, since you should be dictating and controlling the conversation and shaping it, if it's bad audio, don't do a 45-minute conversation. Yeah, Maybe in your mind, all right, I'm, I'm going to cut this down and, and not ask and cover as much as I was going to. And on the episode I use it in, it's a shorter segment. Or as the podcaster, you don't have to use it at all. You can have the conversation. And then maybe you go back and say, you know what? I, I listened to it. I, I, it's not something I'm, I'm going to... I decided I'm not going to use it. it. It doesn't fit what I'm doing. So, I mean, there are a number of ways out of bad audio rather than trying to tweak it if you really can't tweak it. Yeah, I know for me, I've twice had people who had serious, you know, popping P's um, and B's and H's. And the, the fun filled word for that, of course, is plosives. And I remember the one woman had a headset and we had, I, I felt bad because I'm like, mm, kind of still hearing it. You know, is there any way you could move that again? Uh, yada, yada, yada. And, and she kept moving it. And how is that any better? And I kind of felt bad because after about the fifth time of going, no, not really. I, I was like, you know what? That's better than it was. I'll just let it go. And then later I was kicking myself so hard because to get rid of a plosive, the number one, the easy way to do it, which kind of works for about 80% of them is to highlight that person. If you were lucky enough to have just their track and just cut out anything below 200 Hertz. So basically you're, you're stripping out all the bass because that's what really booms when you have those. And that'll take care of a lot of them, but the rest you have to go in and you'll see where, what have they said? And all of a sudden there's this little baby spike that lasts all of, you know, a 10th of a millisecond, but it's enough to make your ears go. Mm. And uh, when you have to go, do that through a whole 20, 30 minute interview, and every time they say B, H, uh, in some cases T and H, you, you kick yourself pretty hard. So it's, it's no fun to have to, uh, to pull that out. Uh, Emily has a cool comment. I'm having fun with this. Uh, she says... <laughs> Before I was a podcaster, one of my favorite podcasts had some episodes with terrible quality for the uh, so bad I should have rescheduled and had the guest grab their ear pods or buy a $30 Logitech ClearChat headset. Yeah, absolutely. Poor plan. I actually almost ran into that situation this week. I was interviewing two guests you know, via a Google Hangout earlier this week, and one guy was using a blue snowball mic. He sounded great. The other guest was you had some sort of head gaming headset or something with the little boom arm in front of his mouth and he sounded like crap. So it, it was like all staticky, maybe his connection, he was using Wi-Fi, So he wasn't able to hardwire his laptop, but we were, we, we downgraded the Google hangout to just audio, no video. And that made it a little better. And then I was just like, you know what? Unplug your headset with your mic and let's just see what the audio quality is of your laptop mic. And that fixed it. And I just said, since we can't see you and this isn't a video podcast, get really comfortable with your computer and get closer to it. <laughs> so we just tweaked a little mic technique and it, and it worked out fine. Yeah. The, uh, which brings up, there was this, one of the posts in the Facebook group was somebody came out and said, some podcasters are saying that, uh, you know, sound quality isn't that important. And this guy was saying that, uh, let me make sure I got this backwards. He was saying you had to have good audio quality, uh, which I kind of agree with. Uh, but he was saying that people were putting 
uh, not enough emphasis on that you really need to have super duper high you know quality because we're going against NPR and all these other things. And I was kind of like, mm, see, that's one of those weird things that I think you have to have good audio quality, but I, I, I know people that have spent thousands of dollars on stuff and that does not equal good podcast. Just to kind of go a little further. Is it so much good quality? Because for me, it's consistent. There are some podcasts that I've attempted to listen to in education and otherwise that, you know, their intro sounds really good and you know, they're doing it all themselves and, and they go through their intro and then they play an interview or just switch to a different segment and there's a drop off in quality within the episode. And it's like, you were able to produce part of this with good quality sound and then other parts of the episode, there is a, a decrease in quality. I've always been, as long as the audio quality doesn't distract you from what's being said. So for me, uh, and again, I think it's podcaster ear syndrome here. I heard a podcast this week started off. They'd, they'd obviously gone to somebody like music radio creative or somebody like that had this really cool intro. Everything was going great. And then when they got to, to the actual part of the, the host coming on, it was a blog talk radio kind of phone interview. And so all of a sudden they're like, you know, welcome to the awesome podcast, blah, 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 blah. Here's your host. So-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, welcome to the show. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that is not going to work. And I instantly ejected. So that's to me when, when it becomes distracting or, you know, there are things um, like right now I'm going, I'm, I'm going to cook in this room. I got lights on. I've got sun coming in this window. I cannot have that window open because a, there are people moving in today and there are also flocks of geese that make lots of noise. You know, that becomes distracting when Dave's trying to talk and all of a sudden you hear in the back and it's like, that's not going to work. So that's always been my kind of mantra on that. As long as the audio doesn't become so distracting that you can't pay attention to what they're saying because you're distracted on, on how it's being said. Uh, so keep that in mind, but it was, there was a pretty big thread over there because I know Rob Walsh was saying, have you ever said this to somebody, you got to listen to this podcast and somebody goes, why? And they go, it just sounds so great. Great. What is it about? I don't know. It's awful. You know, it's sound quality will not, uh, make everything. Yeah. Uh, Steve sleeper says, of course, you know, I was laughing last night. I think it was after the show. We did a podcaster's roundtable, and I've actually left the door open today, so we might have a Bernie sighting today. Right now, last time I checked, he was downstairs sleeping, but I had the door shut. And there are times when Bernie comes upstairs. Bernie is my cat, for those of you who, who aren't aware, and uh, he's rather vocal. And literally through the door, and I looked at Ray and I go, "Can you hear that?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Is he?" And I'm like, "That's through the door, you know." So you, you do everything you can, and uh, you know that's that's all else you can do at that point. And then the other one, again, kind of sticking with the, I'll, I'll take phone quality for 200, Alex. This was also on a Facebook group. I record, recorded a phone interview, and guess what they're going to say here? Go ahead. Well, I'll just let you, we'll, we'll play guess what the question is. I recorded a phone interview, <laughs> and want to take a crack at what they're going to ask? How can I make it sound like I sound? Yeah. How can I make it not sound like the phone? And uh, is there something I can do in Adobe Audition? Uh, what would be that option be? And I'm going to play with my mixer here. So if I turn off the bass and the, the treble and I do this, right? I, I hope I sound like the phone now. It's all mid. Yeah, de definitely in the middle. It's, it's not horrible. And so the problem is that's what the phone does. It basically, you know, and I could probably tweak 
this and see if I can get a really annoying mid maybe. I don't know. I'm playing too many knobs here. Um, but the phone is going to sound like the phone because um, it's it's the phone. And, he's and like, you know what? That's not a big deal because for all the years that we've listened to the radio and people call in, whether it's, you know, sports or political talk or, you know, you won the $100 that hour. People know what it sounds like to hear good audio quality and the phone at the same time from listening to radio for 60 years. Yeah, that's what I would say. If you can avoid having, and sometimes you can't, there's just no way around it. You have to do a phone interview. But if you could try, because with Skype, with, um, mm-hmm, there's the, uh, there's a call-in service that is escaping me. It's, um, but there's a, a service online that you can, it's a phone bridge kind of thing. And you can call in with your computer and then have them call in via the phone. So you sound okay. Your guest sounds like the phone. I think that's acceptable. I, I just, sometimes if it's phone to phone, you know, it is what it is and, and people can handle that. I don't know if I would want to do that every week, but uh, there is no way to make the phone not sound like the phone. Cause I've tried, you'll, you'll take that in. You can make it sound better. And usually what I do is I will go in. Cause if you try to boost the bass and the treble, it's kind of weird. You're turning up nothing because it's been completely stripped out. So what you can do is go in and kind of bring down the mids because remember, there's always two things. You can either boost the bass or turn down what you, you know, it's either turning up what you want or turning down what you don't want and, uh, you know, go that route. So uh, it, it will sound better, but in the end, it's still going to sound like the phone. And again, as long as you can get your audio to where it's not too distracting, uh, you should be uh, good to go. Um, and then uh, now um, Jeff Perry brings up a great point. What about Ringer? Ringer is on your phone, but the key here is it doesn't use the phone lines. Ringer is going over Wi-Fi or whatever you're, I guess that would be it, or you're, you're burning up data minutes, but it's actually not going over the phone lines. It's the phone lines that make you sound like because it just strips out the bass in the, it's kind of weird because I saw uh, Lee Silverstein this morning said, I'm done with Skype. And I think that has to do a little bit with your bandwidth because I I have not had a really bad Skype call in a, a long, like where it's like, we need to redo this or we need to hang up or, or something of that nature. I, I don't know if it's just because, and I, I mean, I don't have, I went for the highest package you can get from my internet provider. I just said, give me the most up and down highest speed you can get. Maybe that's it. Do you have Christy, any issues with Skype? I don't, but I, I, I have found that when I was doing the early couple of years of my show, when I was primarily, you know, using Skype recording that way uh, for the interviews, I was taking for granted the fact that, you know, living in New Jersey in a near major metropolitan area, that the internet is really good here. And when I was calling people just for a simple Skype, even just Skype audio in other parts of the country and a couple of international guests, there, there is a drop. And I, I take for granted that they're not as well connected. Yeah. I remember once I got interviewed by a guy in South Africa and he, we get on Skype and he's like, the first thing I'm going to tell you is he goes, it's just where I live. You're probably going to, I'm going to drop or you're going to drop. And he goes, we'll just continue where you left off. I apologize in, in advance. He goes, but this is the best I can do. And sure enough, I'd be in the middle of a, an answer and, you know, so quick, you know, and there he goes and he'd call me right back and goes, I'm sorry. 
uh, let's just take it from where, you know, I asked you this question, if you can answer that again. And it, it took us literally like eight tries to get through the interview and you just deal with it. And that guy had a, you know, uh, an editing nightmare in front of him, but, um, you know, you do what you can. Cause I'm not, I'm not sure if I had a problem with Skype because of bandwidth, if switching to ringer or not ringer, uh, Zencaster or TriCast or all these other, you know, online recorders. I don't know if that would get me any better results. I think bad bandwidth is not bad. A low bandwidth is, is it is what it is. So, uh, and, uh, Steve has a, a follow-up on the ringer question. He says, I'm having a problem with clipping. How do you deal with that? That's the fun part. All of these Zencaster ring, there's no volume control. Cause you, unless you hear it, which you probably don't when somebody's talking on the phone, if it sounds fine, cause that's another example of how do I get rid of the echo from a guest? You kind of can, especially clipping, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I do use, uh, I use Zencaster mm-hmm. now as, as my primary thing. Cause I typically only have me and a guest nice. and, I, I've never had an issue with that. You know, if they sound good to me, I know when I bring it into Audacity, I can, you know, I can amplify their their track because I'm getting, you know, the the multi track capability. And, you know, it, I, there have been times where I've had to ask a guest, you know, could you go into another room? Are you wearing headphones? Because again, with with Zencaster, I can't see them, so right. I'll just say, okay, you know, the audio looks good. I'm, you know, the levels look good on my end. Uh, how do I sound to you? So that way they can understand what I'm asking them. Um, I, I think you just need to be able to communicate with your guest. So like you had that experience with the podcaster from South Africa, he was upfront, he was honest about it. Um, did that deter you in any way or frustrate you as a guest on the no, show? Cause I, I think if you set expectations, that's half the, I mean, both of us are, are, are teachers. That's half, half of the fun of the classroom is that first five minutes when you set up, here's what we're going to talk about. It's setting up the class. So people know what to expect. So in his case, I knew what to expect. Um, he was very apologetic about it. And I was like, really, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. It's technology. What are you going to do? Uh, and, um, he was really conscious about my time. I could have actually gone longer, but he was like, well, I realized this is taking longer because of all this stuff. And he kind of, maybe he cut it short because it was just, he couldn't stay online very long. I don't know, but, uh, it, it didn't really, you know, it's, it's hard to get any kind of rhythm going in that aspect of a conversation. Cause all of a sudden you're in the middle of this great answer and, and you're like, Oh, but you know, you do what you can and you, you move on from there. So, but uh, actually this brings up, uh, I, I have a question for you. And also, you know, if you're in the chat, you know, please contribute to your thoughts on this and, and this conversation sparked this in me. There have been times where in order to make my guests feel comfortable, I know it's their first time on the podcast or I've invited a listener and, and they're going to be on the show. So I know that they're nervous. And I let them know, okay, you know, this is not live. And there's a reason I don't do it live so I can edit and everything. Um, and I have out of the gate purposely stumbled over the intro, had a, and I've purposely made a mistake or, you know, flubbed something that I was saying. So that way I've demonstrated to them. I stop talking. I start again and everything is okay. And I, I make a joke. I, I, I use that to kind of make them feel comfortable. So have, have you ever basically screwed up on purpose? to for that reason that that's a great idea i like that idea i've screwed up I, who was i um i was uh, wednesday i was interviewing uh alex exum who you will hear on a future episode of the school of podcasting and in the middle in came my buddy you know bernie <laughs> and uh let his and, and i said hold on a second i said and i just said this will be edit point one 
and I picked him up and threw him out of the room and closed the door and, and went that route. And, but that's a great point, especially if you have somebody who's never been on a podcast, if you can let them know this is not live. Cause a lot of them like, well, I'm going on this radio show. And I'm like, well, technically no. And, uh, but or I've is, broken the ice and said, as soon as we connect, I'll say, all right. And now joining us live here on the house of ed tech. And they're like, wait, we're what, huh? Who? And I'm like, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Make them wet their pants. Okay. So, but no, it's not a bad idea. I don't know if I would do it on purpose, but, um, maybe. And Kim just said she doesn't have to do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we had another question. This is, um, I've been uploading my podcast to YouTube. We're, we're going to make this a, a twin spin. Robert asked, should I put my podcast on YouTube? Uh, and I don't know if it counts towards our downloads. No, it doesn't. Depending on what service you're using, it, you'd have to get your, your plays on YouTube and add them to your plays on Spreaker or whoever you're using. And uh, so, because the question was, should I be on YouTube? And my answer is it's free. And if you can have it automated, why would you not? You know, if you get 10 more listeners over there, 10 more listeners, I'll take it. And it didn't cost me anything. It didn't cost me any time. But Lisa asked, she says, I'm trying to do this. And it says they are too long. And I didn't know this till I started playing with this. Your videos can only be up to 15 minutes long, asterisks, unless you verified your YouTube channel. And this is so that robots can't sign up for YouTube and just post a bunch of videos. They have to kind of make sure that you are who you say you are. And all you have to do is go to youtube.com slash verify. And I think they give you a bunch of different ways. For me, I had them send, like they texted me some sort of code and I put the code in there like, okay, you are who you say you are. And from that point, you can uh, put in any kind of episode that's longer than 15 minutes. So it's an easy fix. But if you're not a, a familiar with that um, rule, it's really easy to get kind of frustrated and go, it's not working. And that's because I don't know if they say that anywhere when you're doing that. Um, so no, it's like a little hidden thing. And then you'll get notified that you can't upload videos longer than 15 minutes. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, I mean, it, it's another platform that you might be discovered on, which might lead them to subscribing or to your website. If you put in a good description on the video, we both know Libsyn makes that real easy to do. I take advantage of that feature and I use the, uh, the custom episode art as the the video the image thingy. i have it automatically set up that anything because like the show notes from lips and go in there that a certain phrase that's in every show note and every video description automatically puts it on a playlist for my podcast so that gets tweeted out automatically uh, anytime i add something to the playlist i go in manually and i monetize them and it's, it's real easy to add numbers less than 10 <laughs> <laughs> to my lips and download numbers. So I get, um, you know, five to seven listens and, you know, maybe I'll make a dollar one day. You never know. You never know. It's uh, Craig asked a great question. Do you think putting audio content on a video platform dilutes your YouTube channel in video content? That is a great question. Uh, and then Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast, by the way, thank you to Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com who saved me this morning he came over and we're, we're trying this Facebook thing. And he goes, you do realize the Facebook page that you're on is dead because this uh, be live thing puts it on my Facebook. I, I chose to put it on my timeline and I did not realize that for whatever reason, they set it to private. So thank you, Daniel, for that. 
Uh, and Daniel says, uh, it can hurt your SEO in the long term on your video channel. Um, did not know that. Well, in my own defense, I'm not producing video content, so yeah. I'm, that, that's not an issue for me. But again, someone like Daniel who does video content, yeah, I, that, that does make sense. Or anybody who's live streaming their podcast. It's one of those things I was, um, I've been watching, and I finally figured out where I found out about this guy. William DeFranco is a big YouTube guy. And I found out about him through Paul Culligan has a newsletter. And he was mentioning how this guy has started building his own. He, he broke away from wherever he was. And now he's got his own thing. He's got his own studio and blah, blah, blah. But he has like 14,000 people now on Patreon. And he was saying that with YouTube Red and somewhere on YouTube, there's a play in background mode. I've never seen this. Don't know what the button looks like. It might be a red thing, YouTube Red. But he said a lot of people click on that and just let it play in the background. And I'm like, I'm not a YouTube red guy, but it's, I am hearing that people, apparently some people like to just put YouTube on. And um, I know I did this this week. I, I added things to a watch list because it's like, oh, I need to watch this later. And then it was cool when I brought it up, like here are the five videos that I wanted to watch and just click play and it just went the next one, the next one, the next one, the next one. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I think people might be listening to it in the background. Uh, Daniel has uh, another quick comment here. He says, it hurts your SEO because YouTube prioritizes content based on retention, not raw views. In other words, how long did people watch? And that is something you can go in and, and see. So the more people don't complete your videos, uh, the more YouTube might kind of go on your stuff. So, And that's where it depends. Of, uh, for me, YouTube has always kind of been something that I just kind of occasionally put things on a little tutorial here, this and that. I'm not really trying to grow my, my channel. And, um, you know, so if my YouTube rankings go down, I don't know. That's one of those things you can go either way on. Cause on one hand it is the number two search engine. So you kind of want to rank, um, but, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Steve says I upload my podcast to YouTube, but I had a lot of slides and graphics optimized backlinks and have deepened YouTube success. There you go. And that's one of the things that I don't do that. I, it's always on my list of things to do. And that's what Chris had said. And if you're using Libsyn, there is a wide image option on the episode that you can put in there. And that'll actually put it into the Facebook and the uh, YouTube video if you're, uh, if you're using that. But, but one thing with that, I have found if you upload that image, is it the same image for every thing that goes to YouTube? Because I stopped doing that. And it's picking up the the meta image in the MP and in the in the, uh, the ID three tag, okay. so it's picking up that custom image, and that's what's going on my videos that are going to YouTube from Libsyn. Interesting, because if you have there, there are two types of uh, artwork. There is show artwork, meaning for your actual you know House of Ed tech, and then you have artwork that you can put for your episode. And the way it works is if there is no episode artwork, it will default to the show artwork. And if there is no show artwork, I don't know. If that's pulling the ID3 tag, that's a new one on me, and I'd have to investigate that. But I always thought if there was any uh, uh, wide image, it would use the square image because you have to have well, the square it, it, It's pulling the ID3 image because when I upload to Libsyn, it, I, have it pull, I have it populate the episode from the ID3 tags, so it's getting that image from there. Um, there's another show that I help pro that I produce and I did create just one image. And when their podcast goes to YouTube, it just says, Hey, you're listening on YouTube, go to 
blah, 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 dot com slash subscribe. And, and so it's like, it's a promo like that. That's an interesting idea. Make your default white image. Go to the website. <laughs> Listen, I like that idea. That's interesting. Um, the the ID3 tag, is that a is that a 16 by 9 image or is it a square one? Because I, I do it as a square image. Okay. So Because I, I want it to show up in overcast like the big boys do. <laughs> that is, in that case, yeah, the reason that, hmm, but it's putting it in the square image in Libsyn, right? It's not putting it in the white image? Yeah, it, it just pulls it in as the square image yeah. for the, the episode art. And then when it goes over to YouTube, that's the image that's yeah. embedded in the video. And it's not stretched out. It just it's centered in the middle of the screen. Oh, nice. Yeah. So in that case, because you have episode artwork, it's pulling that. If you had neither a square or a, a rectangle, for lack of a better phrase, a white image, then it would go to the show artwork. But because you yeah. put in episode artwork, it's uh, it's pulling that. So that'll wake. Here's another one that uh, I was like, wow, I haven't heard this one in a while. And this was from uh, Mike. He says, uh, hey, all quick question. I use GarageBand 6, which is totally back in the day, to edit my podcast for years. But my computer hard drive finally crashed, and I lost everything, which is why you should have a backup. Um, he didn't mention that, but I, I, I'm hoping he did. Uh, does anyone know how to get a free copy of GarageBand 6 since version 10 doesn't support podcasts? And uh, I have Adobe Audition, but don't have time right now to learn. And this is something that it's, I understand it's easy to, to get this kind of thought is in GarageBand 6, there actually was a thing that said podcasts. The problem is they later got rid of that. And people think, oh, I can't do a podcast now in GarageBand because I lost the podcast option. And really all GarageBand is, it's the same thing as Audition or Audacity or it's a multi-track recorder. And all the podcast did, I think, was it had one labeled microphone and one labeled music. And the microphone might have had an EQ set that was a little more set for a voice, but you can definitely still make a podcast in GarageBand. Because I've always said you could you could name a track, you know, Banana and still record on it. That was just, I think, a label for it. So uh, if for some reason you're in that boat and thinking that, oh, I can't do that because it doesn't say podcast. You know, you can you can still absolutely make a podcast in GarageBand 10. The only thing I hate, and this is on my list of things to, to figure out exactly the easiest way to do this. And if somebody knows in the chat room, feel free to do this. If you're in GarageBand, I think if you share it as a CD, it's share as something. Because what happens is GarageBand by default makes an M- M4A. M4A, it's something, yeah. It's something with the four. It's that four format. And for the most part, it usually creates a file format that's a little over the top in terms of quality that you don't need to. Because what happens a lot, I, I get this at Libsyn, somebody will sign it up. And they're like, look, I just did two episodes and I'm out of space. And you go in and they've got this, you know, they're, they're ripping things at 320 kilobits per second. And you're like, well, your file size is about three times too big. I, I need to know how to tell them, here's how you can export in GarageBand, directly do an MP3 file. Because some people... Like they go export to iTunes and then it's another step. I think there's a way like share as file or export to CD. Is it, I forget what the, the, the option is on a Mac. But I, there's got to be an easy way to export out of GarageBand to an MP3 file without having to. I got to say, if, with people having that kind of issue, and this might be blasphemous, I am not a fan of creating podcasts in GarageBand. I consider myself to be tech savvy, but 
I've tried to record audio. I just do not find it easy to use. My biggest thing that I was really, really surprised with GarageBand, because it's, I mean, it's pretty. I mean, it's an Apple product. It's really pretty, fairly easy to figure out. But number one, it's a, it's a tool designed for musicians. I remember a friend of mine was playing me some of his music and I'm like, really, this is really cool. I'm like, what studio did you go to? And he goes, my living room. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, that's on my laptop in GarageBand. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so it's, it's primarily meant, hence the name GarageBand, for musicians. So there's all sorts of effects and, you know, things to line up rhythms in place and things like that. The thing that I was really like, you got to be kidding me, is that if I have an um in GarageBand, if I say, um, I think it's this, that would be so easy in Audacity to go in and highlight and delete, in Audition to highlight and delete in Hindenburg. In GarageBand, you have to click before the um and go split after the um and split. So it's now you have three pieces, your original piece, and then, you know, the, the um, and then you're after the um part and delete that. Editing is like performing surgery in GarageBand. You have to go in with your scalpel and <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like you have to biopsy the audio. Yeah. And I just went, that's, I'm like, that's when I was like, okay, I'm not recommending this to anybody. And thank you, Patrick from um, the, Oh, help me, Patrick, something seance podcast, the great seance, the big seance, the super jumbled luck seance, something like that. Uh, he said in GarageBand, you export song to disc. That is uh, it. So uh, if you're in GarageBand and, and apparently you never say the word um and you decide to do it. And it's one of those things, too, I think, uh, for me, for the longest time, the, like, what do you primarily use, Chris, to, to edit your show? I am an Audacity man. See, and was that the first one you used? I dabbled between Audacity and Adobe Sound Booth. Ah, yes. I, I think that's that. the one, but, uh, you know, thank you, Daniel. I'm Audacity all the way. Yeah. So, and Patrick's show is the big seance. So, yeah. And, and I have found usually people stick with what they picked up first because you've gone through the learning curve of figuring out that to split a track is under edit, blah, 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 blah. And so for the longest time, I used a thing called Mixcraft. And it was all, I, I told them because they kept adding more features because here's another tool that was designed for musicians. And when I first got it, it was kind of a little bit like Hindenburg is now. They had a few effects, but not a ton. And then they kept adding more and more because they wanted to compete with Pro Tools. And I told them when they went, they came out with this whole new version. And I was like, oh, now you made it all confusing. And I, I told them, I said, you should take like version two and put this out as a podcast product. And they were like, well, if you buy a thousand of them, we'll license it to you and you can sell it. And I was like, I'm not buying a thousand of anything. Uh, thanks, <laughs> but no thanks. But uh, so I used Mixcraft for a long time. From there, I went to Sony Acid something, Sony Music Studio, Sony Acid. Because I remember thinking, who would name their their product Acid for for new, number one Acid Burns? It's usually not something people think of. Then they have the whole '60s Acid. And I was like, why would you associate the word Acid with your product? And that's another one that's geared towards musicians. So I always want something that's kind of flexible. Give me some power but I don't need it to quantize to the, you know, 32nd beat kind of thing. That's strictly music. And uh, to be fair, I mean, because I do like to promote podcast creation and education, whether it's get your students creating or talking to teachers and, you know, why your school needs a podcast. I I do recommend, like I'll say, you know, if you like a Raj band, you know, go check it out. 
Um, but there are a number of other tools that I recommend that I, you know, like you, I, I like to experiment with a lot of the tools that are out there. So that way, when people say, oh, how easy is this to use? I could say, well, whether you have Mac or Windows or you're a, you have a Google Chromebook, you know, here are your options. So I do need to be well-versed. Yeah, that's me. I like to play with it. Hence why we're using BeLive TV today. Grant has a quick question. He says, uh, I will try again. So that's a problem. If we get a really active chat room, I, I questions go away too soon. He says, how do you feel about interview guests who want to vet screen the questions in advance? I, what I would do, unless they really want the question, because I've had this happen once. I had somebody said, I need the questions up front. And so it was kind of like, so tell me what your favorite microphone is, said guest. And he was like, thanks, Dave. That's a great question. My favorite microphone. And you could just tell he had practiced this. For, and I was like, wow, this is not, you know, I, I've had other people. What I try to do is I go, here's the topics we're going to talk about. So we might talk about, you know, um, this, we might talk about that. We might talk about this and how it relates to such and such, but not the exact question. That's usually what I try to do. I have, Chris, have you ever had anybody throw that curveball at you? I have. And what I, that's a great statement. No, (laughs) in the email where I invite somebody to be on the show, I usually within the first two sentences will tell them, I'd like you to be a guest for this reason, because of what you're doing in your classroom or what you do as an administrator, you know, here's what attracted me to you as a guest. So they know upfront an idea of what I'm thinking for the episode theme. Then I will, if they ask me, I will tell them, I don't even think of this as an interview. I think of it as a conversation. And here are the things that I'd like to talk about with you. And a lot of that comes from that question I ask on the Google form. How can I make this valuable for you? So they're, they're giving me the topics and a couple of bullet points that I can then say, here's what we're going to talk about. When we get on the call, I will say, all right, here, here's your bio. And just want to go over just roughly what we're going to be talking about. And, and that's how I get around that. And if they've ever asked me for specific questions, which happened early on when I was considering it like an interview, I would send a couple of questions and just say, this is where we're going to start. But then we'll see where it goes. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a fun little dance. You know, I mean, that's half the fun of interviewing. You just never kind of know what you're going to get and what's going to show up and, and that whole nine yards. Uh, before I forget, it's that time already, and I can put this on the screen. Uh, I want to thank my awesome supporters, if you go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome, uh, especially Josh Liston from the Podcaster Survival Guide, uh, Josh Rivers from Creatives. It's apparently if you're named Josh, it's you are just forced to become a patron. Uh, Josh Rivers from creativestudio.academy and uh, Glenn the Geek from Horse Radio Network. And uh, to see the rest of everybody, go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And uh, that is something that I am uh, slowly learning that if you have a Patreon account, people will change their their levels up and down on occasion. And I just realized I need to ask, I need to put Josh on a different page now because he changed, he, he upped his uh, support. So thank you, uh, Josh from the podcaster survival guide. And uh, the other thing I need to do is especially because next month is a new month. And at the beginning of the month, I list everybody. I take a really deep breath and I need to send out, you talked about Google forms. Some people like uh, Frank Brill, he just has a Gmail, so I have no idea what Frank's podcast is. And I need to send a Google form to my patrons to say, hey, what what podcast do you want me to mention and what website? Because at this point, I'm, I'm guessing. And um, 
I'm trying something, a new strategy with Patreon. I have a, uh, I do my logical weight loss podcast and it's one of those shows that I'm kind of running a little low on ideas. It's just kind of like, mm, it's getting a little harder and harder. I've been doing it for probably three or four years. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to create a Facebook group, but you know me, I'd like to play. And I was really worried with that one, especially about, you know, Steve, the coach coming in and saying, buy my stuff. Cause he has a bunch of people in there trying to lose weight. So I'm putting up a cover charge and that is you have to support me on Patreon for like a buck or five or 10 or whatever to be in the Facebook group, which is kind of weird. It's, it's the direct opposite. Cause usually if you're trying to get a Facebook group to get content, I should make that public and free and everybody can join, but I'm going to try this first. It's kind of weird because it's hard to go backwards on this one. I could see starting it free having a lot of people in there and then going, wow, this has value. Let's charge for it. I'm right out of the, and to me, it's a buck. It's a, a dollar a month. And I'm like, so. So from a technical aspect, that would entail, so say I, I donate my dollar for whatever the, whether it's yeah. per episode or per month. And then you would then, I'd get an email from you with the link to this Facebook group that I could yeah. then have access to. Yeah. That's the bad news. Uh, I, I, I well, how much work is that on your end? To, to set that is there have you been able to automate that or no, you got to so go one at a time i'm looking into if this then that because i don't think patreon is set up i don't know if there's an api in the background that i can say if somebody signs up for this automate that'd be great if you could automate it automatically add them to this facebook group um, i'll probably have it set up if there is such a thing I, I know in patreon you can have it email i know i get emailed when people sign up so that'll be my thing and i'll probably just take that email and i use a, a product called Todoist and I can take an email and make it a, a task list and um, just put that there to add this person to the Facebook group. So, but, uh, and we could, uh, we could tickle Daniel's bones. <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, you could automate that, use uh, some sort of text expander and have this really well-crafted welcome to the the Facebook group. Here's the link and, you know, use some sort of short code. Yeah. I use that real pretty. I use a key because I'm on a PC. I use a thing called short keys and it's really pretty cool. The only thing I don't like about it is if I go on my laptop, there's a way I can export it and have to, I'm, I'm that's another thing on the list of, I'd like to switch to text expander, which is a web-based uh, version so that you just sign into your account and all your stuff for there. Cause I have a ton for, for Libsyn and a couple other common questions. So when somebody comes to my chat and says, can I play some music in my podcast? I can just go, you know, pound m3 uh craig from inglaise podcast says that's a great idea uh membership sites have a private facebook group so why not uh patreon yeah so i'm like you know it's uh and the other thing i did it to to be fully honest i've been talking a lot about um facebook groups and it's not something i did on purpose it just so happened that the last few people i've interviewed they get a lot of great content ideas from the facebook group so I made a video out of this last night, how to make a Facebook group for the school of podcasting. And then I made another one on how to set up setting up a Patreon account is not hard, but there's about seven or eight steps. And plus if you're, you kind of need to figure out what you're doing in terms of rewards, if you're going to have any kind of rewards, like I made one and, and I thought, you know what, let's set the bar way high. I said, uh, if I make $500 a month, that'd be awesome. I said, I will give away once a quarter. And I stole this from uh, uh, Jonathan Oaks from Trivial Warfare. So all great ideas are borrowed. If I get $500 a month, I will give away a Fitbit 
Blaze or Fitbit tool of some sort to somebody who's in the $20 a month plan. And I was like, don't know if it's going to work. There's only one way to find out. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, it's one of those things where it could, I tried a membership site with this uh, group once and it went okay for a while, but any kind of membership site requires extra work and extra time and extra effort. And I was like, hmm, you know, and eventually I think I had, I was down to like, I only started with like five people and eventually three dropped out. And I was just like, all right, that's, that's enough of that. It was a fun experiment. <laughs> so uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, well, let me ask you this for people who want to try it and maybe they get five people and they see a drop off. How did you end that? What, what, did, what did you say? How did you break it to them that well, we used all right, to do, it's going away? Yeah. We used to do, I think it was like bi-weekly phone calls, Uber conference. There it is. That was the thing I couldn't remember earlier. Uber conference to, to record <laughs> phone calls. We would do an Uber conference on the phone and it just kept being that I had the small group and like the, the one woman worked like three jobs. God bless her. I mean, she was just hustling all over the place and she could never make the phone call. So I had like a few people and then it, it was just one of those where you really want engaged people in your membership group. And when you only have five and only three of them are engaged and then two of those have life happen, that was just like, okay. And, um, and I just put it out. I said, you know, do you guys want me to continue this? And they're like, yeah. And they all kind of went, yeah, I don't blame you. Was basically because I put it at them. I said, I'll keep doing this if you want it to, but I've noticed that you're not attending this and you're not doing this. And they all kind of went, Yeah, just shut it down. So I, I threw it at them. I was I was going to stick around for them and just continue to try to build it, but uh, that's how I did that. And it just kind of went, Hey, thanks for it. It was fun while it lasted and blah, blah, blah. And I still own the domain for it. So I'll probably use that and put it at my Patreon account and uh, we'll see what happens. You know, it's, it's just, um, why not? You know, what's, what's the- you have nothing to lose. Yeah. The worst that could happen, nobody signs up. I wasted, and even that, I didn't waste the time because I made a tutorial on how to make a Patreon group. So I will be playing with a, um, a new service. I actually think um, it's funny and, and it's interesting. It's a new free service and I have to go find the name of it. It's something like Wooshka. Yes. In fact, that is the name of it. Wooshka as in W H O O S H K A. A Wooshka. And it's free. It's one of these kind of uh you know free web hosting things. And of course, you 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 just give the content, uh, you upload the content, then you leave the rest to us, and this needs reverb. You get paid. That's right, you're gonna get paid. And I was like, really? At probably 0. 0.002 cents per download or whatever. So because I this came across because uh, I forget who I was talking to. And they're like, oh, yeah, I switched to Wooshka. And I'm like, what? Is that some sort of Russian vodka of some sort? And uh, so I went over. It and went, smooth. Yes. And what was interesting is when you sign up, you are more or less applying. And I went, hmm, now this is an interesting twist on a free service. Because a lot of times it's just everybody come on in. And this was like, you know, if you're free, blah, blah, blah. And you apply and then they approve you, which was hilarious because I actually said, what's the name of your show? And I put Bernie the cat. And they're like, tell us about that. I'm like, Bernie has a huge following on social media. It's time this cat had his own podcast. And I was really waiting for them to go, eh, you know, just that's not, you know, that is not going to work. And uh, sure enough. Now, what was interesting is first, the owner of Wooshka, whatever you, um, is now my friend. What do you call it on LinkedIn? 
He's now a contact. So he contacted connection. Yeah. He is now a connection on LinkedIn. And shortly thereafter, um, he, uh, he approved or somebody approved my, um, Bernie, the cat show. So, uh, that'll be, I don't know if it'll be a long going show, but I have to, I got to stop you for a second. Okay. Um, I just pulled up. There's another site that I use for two other podcasts that I'm not ready to invest money in. Yes. Uh, but I use a website called Pippa.io to host them both. Okay. And I just brought up the page cause I wanted to mention it and they have a picture of what looks like a MacBook with an icon of a cat with a microphone that says it's time to set up your new show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I actually, um, Bernie was being Bernie last night. So I just put, you know, I, when I record Bernie, I just hit record on this and then put the phone down by him and just do one of these. It's not like he's sitting in front of a, you know, here, Bernie, sit here and be a cat in front of the, you know, the ATR 2100. That usually doesn't work because, well, he's a cat. And um, I, I know, Dave, that's the part of every one of your episodes where I say, why is there such a loss in quality here at the end? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> It's coming, it's coming via the phone through a, whatever magic that Alphonic does to that then, which is always why it sounds like Dave's in a cave. Cause he's nowhere near the microphone. Um, but that'll be fun. Well, Hey, as we, uh, start to, uh, to wrap things up, I, I want to ask you what's, I know you, you do a lot of tech fun little toys on your show. What's one of your favorite toys that you've discovered on house of ed tech? It really depends on what you want to do or what, or what I'm sharing with teachers. Mm. Uh, uh, let me see if I come up with something that is great for the podcaster. Let's see. I, I would say I, I'll go. To, I'll default to what I talked to when I appeared on uh, School of Podcasting, and a great tool that every podcaster should consider would be Voxer. Yeah, V O X E R. It, it's a great way to engage via audio, potentially build community. And people can text, put in GIFs. And yes, I said GIF. If you have a problem, step outside. <laughs> uh, it's a great way you can text, send audio messages. And I, I also use it as a way to get feedback for the podcast because there is a web interface where I can very quickly either yeah. send someone's message to Dropbox or I can download it right from my browser. Uh, or, you know, if I, have the, if I had the mixer set up, I could connect my phone or my iPad and just play those messages. And I do get people because it's big in the education community. They get it. They want to be engaged. And even just from random conversations I'll have with people, I can say, Hey, can I use this? What you just said on an episode of my show and comment on like, Oh sure. No problem. Nice. So definitely check out Voxer V O X E R. And where can people find your stuff? ChrisNessie.com C H R I S N E S I. Uh, It's the house of ed tech. Would love it. If you, if you're a teacher, check it out. If you know a teacher, direct them to it. And I would love to connect with anybody here. I'm on Twitter. I utilize it at Mr. Nessie, M-R-N-E-S-I. Awesome. And we're here every Saturday. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. You can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. Hang around for some post show. 